the snap, looking, flips the ball, diving for the pylon, and he's got it! Razzle-dazzle! Touchdown, Houston! And the Texans go in front! Game day is every day. We had a lot of energy, and we brought a lot of spark for this organization. The best is yet to come. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. Ball is out. The Texans say they have it, and they do! Now, it's Texans All Access. Welcome into Texans All Access on a Tuesday. Just wrapped up an hour with Brandon Dunn, our very first official player on the Texans Player Show. Missed being out and about at Fuddruckers, but guys, he was a lot of fun. Got Mark Vandermeer back with me, Drew Doherty. I'm DP Sidhu. Uh, just to get a player on the Player Show felt, felt kind of normal again, I have to admit. Oh, it's so good to have a player on the player's show. Um, we had Andre Johnson last week, which was great. I mean, he's a player. He's an all-time player. That's but true. A current guy who just went through, actually went through something that uh, we wished it, we didn't go through. We wished we didn't go through the loss, but we went through a game, and uh, and he got through it and had plenty to share about it, so that was pretty cool. And what, uh, you know, we talked about it in the offseason, what a murderous row beginning of this schedule, and now that you're living through it, it's like, <laughs> Yeah, it's not, it's not like the Ravens got beaten by the Browns or something. You're thinking, yeah, maybe they're not as good as we thought. They're as good as we thought. They are who we thought they were. It's going to be tough. But we got to always remember it's only week one, and there's lots of stuff that happens in week one and lots of pe- folks that look great in week one, and by the time you're into November and December, a lot of those teams that won that first game of the season are absolute chumps by then. I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to be chumps. And I'm not saying that the Texans are going to peel off 15 straight wins. I'm just saying, let's keep a little bit of perspective. Nothing really good, uh, you know, about the results of Thursday night football, but it's just one game. Yeah, speaking of things turning around, the Ravens last year turned things around after losing two games. They lost, they won 14 in a row, and the Texans will be preparing for those very same Baltimore Ravens for Sunday's game. The home opener kickoff is at 3. 25 p.m. And, you know, we've got some news of the week to get to, so let's get to it. Uh, just a little while ago, the Houston Texans placed Kahale Waring on the reserve injured list, and they signed Farrell Brown, tight end, third year out of Oregon, to the active roster from the practice squad. So uh, one of the early IR guys, we've seen a, quite a few players across the league get placed on IR, but not all is lost. If you're wondering what happened to Waring, we didn't even see him get injured. The IR rules are very different this year, aren't they? Because you can bring back any number of guys from the IR, and they don't have to miss six weeks of practice or eight games or whatever, half the season that they used to last year. It's like you can bring a guy back after missing only three weeks this year under the 2020 IR rules. I mean, they've been relaxed, these rules, Drew, in recent years anyway. And, you know, it it was starting to become where it already wasn't – See it, see you next year kind of stuff, right? Necessarily. But now it's better than ever. I mean, now, like, you can get back in a few weeks. Yeah. He could be back as soon as week five, depending on what happens. He played nine snaps on special teams on Thursday night, but you also got to remember he didn't practice a lot of, of train, a lot during training camp. Mm-hmm. And that comes after, you know, he was, he was not out there last season, his rookie year. He had had a good rookie mini camp in 2019. He had started to have a very good training camp, and then he got a concussion in the practices with Green Bay when the Texans were up there taking on the Packers. So it's he's a big unknown, and, you know, he was only really covering kicks and punts and stuff the other night. But 
he could be back pretty soon and as soon as early October. Yeah, I mean, well, I got a bunch of Benny Jopru texts, and I was thinking, well, you know, that's not fair. First of all, we're not there yet. It's only year two, okay? And I know he's had some injury issues, like you pointed out. But, uh, you know, Benny would have been a really good tight end, I think, in this league. We'll never know. I mean, he was drafted the same year Jason Witten was, and Witten was a third rounder, and Benny was a second rounder. Uh, and you took Benny before Witten, obviously, and Witten's still going. I mean, how about that? But you, who, you never know about these things, and you have to hope, okay, this is it. He's going to be fine. I mean, other Texans who have had injuries and missed the first year of their career, Greg Mance, uh, who obviously things are different now with Greg, but Nick Martin missed his first year due to an injury. I mean, it happens sometimes. Uh, Kahali, uh, not Kahali Waring, well, yes, Kahali Waring, but uh, Kaimi Fairbairn missed his first year, and now he's your regular starting place kicker. So, you know, Sean just, Watson missed half of his first year. Yeah, I mean, so these things happen, and you just have to hope that he gets it together, gets off IR, and can contribute. All right, Bill O'Brien said there's a lot to build on, but a lot to clean up after last week's loss at Kansas City. He cited 20 missed tackles, inconsistency on offense. So the, the Texans got back to work on Monday. They'll have a few extra days to get healthy. One of those guys being Duke Johnson, he's day-to-day after leaving the game with a leg injury. And, guys, that's actually – it was worrisome because at one point you saw David Johnson come out, and that's when Duke Johnson was in for a series. And then you see Duke Johnson come out and, and David Johnson go back in the game. So I wasn't yeah. wasn't quite sure what was happening there, but the fact that Duke Johnson didn't go back in for the rest of the game was a little bit worrisome. But right now, nothing to worry about. He's day-to-day. We'll continue to keep an eye on him and look at the practice reports, especially as they start coming out Wednesday. Yeah, this yeah, is a uh, concern. Go ahead. I was going to say, you got to wonder about, we hear, heard Bill O'Brien on Monday talk about running back depth and said that the running back mm-hmm. depth is good outside of those two Johnsons. I wondered, would we see Buddy Howell? Because during camp, O'Brien said he's kind of the clear third guy and Karan Higdon, uh, you know, wound up not making the 53-man roster. But we've seen the stuff about C.J. Procise, uh being on the practice squad. Scotty Phillips got elevated last week, the mm-hmm. undrafted rookie out of Ole Miss. So would one or maybe both of them vault ahead of, you know, Buddy in the running back pecking order? Because Buddy's been, you know, outstanding as a special teamer. However, would we wind up seeing Buddy get to tote the, tote the rock a little bit on Sunday afternoon at NRG Stadium? Yeah, I think, I think it could be him if you had to go there, Drew. And I think that uh, when you look at Phillips, he was brought up because Gillespie is hurt and Gillespie – you know, he kind of plays that role on special teams to a degree. Not that he does in the backfield, but he could give you something in the backfield. So I'm not so sure how they would handle it. Um, I, I really want to see Gilly back in there because he's such a valuable special teams guy and he can make plays out of the backfield for you. And as far as the running back depth, it's something I brought up all preseason that I thought after the, after the two Johnsons, you didn't know what you had. Uh, you know what you have in ProSize because he's played in this league before. He's had health problems. But, again, maybe you maybe have to piece some things together, at least depth-wise. Uh, but the the shining light here is that David Johnson looks really good, and you want to continue to use him. I love what Duke brings to this offense, though. And if you have to go without Duke for a game or two or whatever it is going to be or, or even practice – um, you know, at least they have some guys you could put in there, but there's a lot of unknowns about what you have as far as like being in an actual NFL game. Yeah. And you're right. Scotty Phillips, certainly we haven't seen much from him. So, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's yeah. a big unknown. We sort of know what we have with Buddy Howell. This coaching staff loves Buddy Howell for what he does on special teams. And it seemed like in camp, whenever he was getting carries, it looked good, but 
that was just his role. He, his role was special teams, and, and there was really never a need for him to be taking snaps on offense. But we'll continue to watch that. Good news for Brandon Cooks. He's expected to practice more this week after being a game-time decision last Thursday. And I think a lot of us were wondering if he would even play in Thursday's game at Kansas City because he was limited one day. He missed one day of practice. And you knew he was sort of battling something with the quadriceps. That's what he popped up on the injury report with. And then he was, he was out there, but now he gets, he also gets the benefit of a few more days being healthy. And he says he's feeling good. He wants to clean up some things, work on the details and get back out there for week two against Baltimore. I think Brandon Cooks can bring so much to this offense. I'm dying to see him in there on a regular basis, contributing the way you know he can because the guy's a total thoroughbred at receiver. You know, when you had Will Fuller kind of go off for over a hundy the way he did, and it wasn't even your typical Will Fuller go off kind of game. It just seems sort of, you know, like when a basketball player, yeah, a couple of buckets here, a couple of buckets there, then all of a sudden they got a 30-point game. That's what Will's performance looked like to me. It was very kind of, you know, nonchalant the wrong word, but it just sort of happenstance for Will. You know, we've seen Will make explosive plays on his way to huge statistical days. This was something that you feel like you could get that a lot out of Will Fuller, I think, in this offense based on the attention you have to pay to everybody else. But when Brandon Cooks really gets going for this offense, it's going to be special. It's going to be fun to watch. You have to hope it, hap- you have to hope it happens sooner rather than later. And well, he looked good. He looked good on the touchdown drive. He had the couple, the pair of catches, and they weren't yeah. long ones, but they moved the chains. And he was he was a part of the offense. And like the rest of that offense on that drive, I was like, hey, Texans really got something. This looks good. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't. They weren't able to stay on the field the rest of the game like they would have liked. But he did have his you know small moments. But you want him to have bigger moments like you're talking about, and you're going to need him to have those bigger moments because. Once he starts having those, it's going to open things up for the rest of the offense, for Will Fuller, and so on and so on. Yeah, time of possession just really didn't allow for Cooks or Fuller to make a lot of plays early in the game. It just seemed like the Chiefs had the ball the entire first half, and, and the offense just couldn't stay on the field. So What a bizarre game, huh? I mean, what, what was it like? It was, you- it was the opposite. It was the opposite of that week six win yeah. at Arrowhead last year. Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, when I saw, you know, I'm looking at the stat sheet after the game, and no pass plays longer than 19 yards for the Chiefs. And I'm thinking, geez, if you, if I give, if you tell me that going in, I'm thinking they're going to win the game. The Texans are going to win. Uh, 211 yards by Mahomes. Well, there's no way they're going to run the ball that much. I mean, I figured, look, they, they were running it a little more in the playoffs than they did in the regular season. You know, Damian Williams was running well for them in the playoffs. So you saw that they knew it's kind of like the NBA again. I use basketball analogies a lot where, you know, you're in a half-court offense. Well, you're going to run a little bit more in the playoffs because you want to play clock a little bit. You're trying to get out of these games. You're handling things maybe a little bit differently. But, man, oh, man, did Clyde Edwards-Alaire go off, and Mahomes didn't need to. It was death by a 1,000, not quite paper cuts, but little stabs where he got you with first-down conversion passes, and they're just going down the field step by step. I got to say, you know, heard all the good things about Edwards-Alaire in the pre-draft process, saw what he did at LSU, clearly a great college back. But I do this thing every week. It's called enemy intel, and it's basically you take quotes from the other team talking about the Texans, and you put them in a, a, an article form. And just reading the transcripts last week, I, I combed through every day's transcripts, their media was just peppering every coach, every player that could 
about Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and I kind of had that dumb old school mentality, like he's a rookie, he didn't do anything yet. Yeah. Well, you see why they're peppered him. I mean, he, he yeah. peppered all those guys. He came out and was very, very impressive. And I know there were some tackling issues, but even had there not been tackling issues, that guy is going to be a problem in the years to come for the rest of the AFC, certainly the rest of the AFC West. But Edwards-Alaire is the real deal. Who else's antenna went up when Bill O'Brien said 20 missed tackles? And I thought, all right, you know, you're going to miss some tackles, okay? You're not going to make every tackle. But if you make 13, 15 of those tackles, you know, even 13 of those tackles, how does the game change? You know, you're able to make those tackles. Yeah, they're getting some gain, but it's not as long, right? You're not missing tackles. You're not seeing a a five-yard gain turned into a 15-yard gain. You're not seeing those things. You know, that and not making the big mistake at the end of the first half where uh, you stall out at their 30. Okay, sometimes drives are going to stall, but then attempt the 51-yarder and it misses, and then all of a sudden they're coming back the other way, getting a field goal for themselves. Six-point swing combined with them driving out of the locker room to get another touchdown on the board, and all of a sudden it's 24-7. Game not over, but game really on the edge of a cliff, and they're about to push you off. It really affected things, I think, the missed tackles, couple of little you know, other errors. And before you know it, I mean, the Chiefs are going to take advantage. There's going to be an onslaught if you're not careful. And I think it's the same way with Baltimore. You know, Baltimore against Cleveland, they had that late first half drive, 41 seconds on the clock. They score. They leave six seconds on the clock when the drive is over. Uh, there was just a masterful performance out of their quarterback. You can get into the same kind of trouble this week. You better not, especially at home in danger of going 0-2, and it could happen. And, look, we've seen them go 0-3 and win nine in a row. Anything can happen. But, uh, you know, I'd love to see them at least get a split here in these first two. Well, the Texans will return home for their home opener on Sunday at NRG Stadium. They're going to be hosting the Baltimore Ravens. I mentioned kickoff 325 because, uh, Mark, you were going to show up at noon. Um, yes, I was. I, was <laughs> I feel like everybody should know it's a 325 kick. Yeah. Um, the and, last and by time, the way, go yes, ahead. I was well, say, that's right, DP. You're referencing an inside joke, but let's no. let's explain the inside joke. Let's just put it out there for everybody. Let's just put it out there for everybody. Jay McDevitt, our our digital director, was saying. He said, you know, do we have to go as heavy on the tune in to the game messaging this week as we did last week? It's Thursday night. It's an odd night. It's 7:20 kickoff. You know, this Sunday. And I said. Why, why do we have to go as heavy for a Sunday noon game? I mean, this is exactly what we do, like, the majority of our history. And then everyone's like, uh, Mark, the game's at 325. I'm like, like I was saying, the game's at 325, okay? Jeez. You definitely need to let people know when kickoff is because some people just don't know that it's at 325. Better kick. early than never, though. That's what I say. And, uh, you know, after this, we've got a barrage of noon starts. I'm looking at the schedule right yeah, now. Yeah, it is it's a lot noons. of noons. They're all noons. We don't know about that Saturday-Sunday game in yeah. Indianapolis in December, but that's it. I mean, Well, Thanksgiving. The Thanksgiving day game will be 1130, yeah. Pretty much mm-hmm. a noon game, yeah. yeah. Last time the Texans beat the Ravens, 2014 at home, it was Case Keenum versus Joe Flacco. Texans won 25 to 13. And the Texans have won eight straight when coming off a loss. So if we're just looking wow. at the statistics here, it looks Yeah, DB, you talk about that eight straight. That goes back to 2018, mm-hmm. and like oh, September, okay. October around there. Right. When they lost, I think it was to the Giants, and then it started up after that. But – Let's go back. Let's go down memory lane just for a little bit. Indulge me this. So 25 points scored by the Texans that day, six field goals from Randy Bullock, and then an Arian Foster touchdown 
pass to C.J. Fedorowicz. Kind of the odd stat line when you think about, you know, Houston Texans wins. Arian and Deshaun Watson, the only players in team history that have ever <laughs> thrown, caught, and received a touchdown. I'm going to burn that and uh, run that little stat into the ground from uh, here to the rest of time. Wasn't Case Keenum like sitting in a tree hunting when yes. he got called to Houston because we had so many quarterback injuries that year? It was almost comical. I mean, Texans. if it wasn't so sad, but Case Keenum comes down, he gets his first win as a Texan because he wasn't able to win in 2013 when he was a starter. And I'll never forget Arian Foster's press conference after the game when they were asking him about his, his touchdown pass. I mean, he was just so, so very proud of himself. He said, yes, I am just a really, really great quarterback. So I can always hit the ball. It's it passing, great. receiving, and rushing for a touchdown. So he yes. and Watson are the only ones. Okay. Because Watson caught that, you know, trick play one last year yeah. from Hopkins against yeah. the Patriots. Which was a pass, even though it's a lateral, but we got yeah. you. And I mean, then, I want to uh, see him catch an actual pass. Like, I want to see a, somebody throw it. I don't want to see that. Part. I don't want to see, I don't want to see him going wrong. I don't Wide open. I don't want to anywhere near the vicinity of Deshaun Watson. Wide open. Uh, remember that, there, remember, Casey's. Case was playing in that game because the week before in Indianapolis, Fitzpatrick and Savage got hurt. So that meant next up was going to be Thad Lewis. And so the Texans got, got on the phone. They got, oh, yeah. got Case. And basically it happened while the Texans were in the air. So, yeah, uh, yeah that was pretty stuff. Pretty well, funny stuff. And, Not funny, but crazy stuff coming back from Indianapolis. And Keenum was with O'Brien a little bit in the offseason, right? When O'Brien yeah. first yeah. got to, uh, to the Texans and obviously didn't stick. Uh, but O'Brien knew him. But oh, one thing that I, I'll never forget O'Brien saying on his coach's show is that when Keenum got back into the locker room before that Ravens game, we're talking about this because that was the last time the Ravens were at NRG. When Keenum got back into the locker room, uh, the teammates were so excited. Everybody was so excited to see him. And, you know, he's so well liked. So I think that, um, that, that said something to O'Brien about his leadership and everything. And I'll, I thought that was one of the best coach games I've ever seen from, any Texans coach because of the fact that you're down to Case Keenum. And at the time you didn't know what you're going to get out of him, out of a deer blind. And they came out throwing in that game and it wasn't a perfect statistical game, but they ran that wild Aryan, you know, Aryan and the wildcat and the defense dismantled Baltimore. And remember Baltimore still had Flacco. They had Gary Kubiak as their offensive coordinator and Kubiak was leading Baltimore to their best offensive season ever until the last two years because now they have Lamar Jackson and they're erupting. But at the time, that was their best offensive season ever, thanks to Kubiak. But at NRG, they got completely annihilated by the Texans that day. And you know what? That team was such a, a hair away from making the playoffs, that Houston team uh, that finished 9-7 and seven in 2014. That would have been a nice team to see get in because they were starting to play hot, even with Keenum at quarterback. And, you know, Keenum's built a career off those two starts. Uh, you know, he obviously has built some nice things following that. When I think back to 2014, I just remember J.J. Watt's monstrous season um, lining up on offense. But, yeah. like, quarterbacks are a blur. The fact that this coaching staff had to get so many quarterbacks ready at a, on a week's notice was just the most impressive and frightening thing, I think, that I have Eight seen years. a coaching staff have to. Yeah, and for two years, really. And then mm -hmm. I remember after that game also, midfield, uh, Gary Kubiak came up to Case Keenum and congratulated him. Yeah, yeah. He was really proud of it. That was his first NFL win, and, and he was he was obviously uh, proud. And not that his team lost, but that Keenum was able to come back and, and do it. 
Remember how happy we were flying back from Cleveland when Ryan Mallett beat the Browns? <laughs> which was the well, last time. And then time. the whole offseason. Then the whole offseason going into 15. So exciting. It was a, like such an excitement. Hey, we've got our guy. We finally found our guy. I mean, but then they signed Hoyer. And I was like, yeah. uh-oh. And then, then I, you know, I found out that Hoyer might actually be even with Mallet. You know, in the off-season stuff, you know, you're hearing some rumblings, and you get to OTAs, and uh, the rest is history. You know, well, it's too bad for Ryan. Hard knocks and um, the Ryan Mallet, Ryan Mallet sleeping through his alarm. I just remember driving around town oh. and seeing like alarm clock. There was an alarm clock store. Or some sort of a clock store on Westheimer that had, we have clocks for you, Ryan Mallet. And I just thought, oh my gosh, like this is, this is going to be the thing that he gets remembered by. And we were, we were, we were all excited coming back from that Cleveland win because Cleveland was actually really good. They were at the top of the AFC North that year. They were, they were going in and then the Texans uh, took them out of that. And they, they haven't been the same since. They have not been the same. (laughs) Since that moment, 2014, they were six and three. Mm-hmm. I think coming off a big primetime blowout over Cincinnati, and they had Brian. They had Brian Hoyer that year as their starting quarterback. And this will be the first Texans trip to Cleveland since then. So this year, so uh, that's going to be interesting as well. Their Texans are going a lot of places this year. They don't go very often. Yeah, it's your rust. You called it the Rust Belt tour because yeah. they Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Chicago. Yeah, I mean, that's it right there. I mean, Kansas City's not really part of the Rust Belt, but those four cities, absolutely. And, you know, the fact that you don't go to Detroit much at all, this is only the third trip there, Chicago, third trip there. So uh, it'll be interesting. And, again, without fans, and I got to imagine that's a story you're going to get to, DP, because I just think it's going to be so bizarre. And and Bill O'Brien told us last night on his show, you know, I used the word weird. He said, it will be weird. It will be, it'll be weird. Let's just face it. It's going to be weird without fans. I, I know we've talked about this off the air, but on the, like on the air, you guys watched the Sunday games. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the empty stadiums with the crowd noise? I thought it was weird. I didn't like it because they would show the crowd cheering and then it was empty stands. The, like it was just, I, yeah. you knew it was fake. It was like they could, they could have toned it down a little bit. Some of the plays were not worthy of, like ovations, like that. I'm so <laughs> numb to it now. It just because of what I didn't we've seen like in it. baseball and what we've seen in basketball. It's just, it's just such a bonkers year on the whole that I was kind of yeah. like, nah, okay. You know, you know then, watching our game the other night, that didn't seem right because that that place is. I'm not going to say it's the loudest. I know they claim it's the loudest. New Orleans Superdome, loud. I think, is louder and Energy loud. Stadium could be as loud. But it's a loud, loud place, mm. and it got loud at times the other night. But there's no yeah. way it can compare. To what that place normally would be like. But it was now, legit. Like coming off the Super Bowl in the season yeah. opener. Those mm-hmm. fans made noise that night, and, and they were booing. And I think it was legit. See, uh, DB, I think that watching these games, like I see the action on the field, and I hear the noise. So when you don't see the stands, you mm. just see the action and hear the noise. To me, it's like NFL football. And I think that's like 70% of the game, roughly. 75% of the shots you see are that. But then when they when they have a moment and you hear the crowd and all of a sudden you see stands and there's nobody in them, and you're like, oh, yeah, studio, fake noise. Like, it's just a very strange dynamic. But I think you need it. This offseason, I was thinking, nah, no fake noise. No way. You know, I'm a purist. I don't want fake noise. Now that I'm watching these games, I'm like, you need the noise. You definitely need the noise just to make the TV experience work. And as far as the experience in the stands, tough luck players. In fact, they probably like a little noise. But just – Play ball, you know, just give us the best possible game. Guys are balling out, though. Guys are definitely balling out. They're playing hard. 
I think on television it comes across as well as it can under these circumstances. I would say cardboard cutouts should be in every seat because in baseball, totally. to me, it doesn't work behind home plate because you can really see the faces. You know, like Astros games, I'm like, oh, look, Joe Sutton's behind home plate tonight. And, you know, there's Tillman and there's Jim Crane. You know, uh, for football, you don't get that. You know, it's, it kind of blurs in all together and it just makes it a better look. I would almost go every seat, but it's easier said than done because, you know, you have cardboard cutouts get pricey after a while. Way back when, when I was in college, I was an extra in the movie any given Sunday. It's a football movie. Oliver Stone did it. Yeah, we know. Part of, part of it was filmed at uh, Texas Stadium where the Cowboys used to play. And so I spent a day down there just basically sitting around because that's what I guess you do on a movie set. You sit around yeah. and then you shoot a scene. But they had the stands. They had a, like about 100 people in the stands. And then sort of on the fringes of those people, when they had to do cutaways, they had cutouts. And then on top of the cutouts, they had a balloon with the team colors, kind of like with about four inches of string, like a, a helium balloon, so it was kind of swaying. So that gave the, the, the look or the feel of movement. So they saw people in their movement, and that, that's what was going on. I wonder if we could see something like that. I doubt we will, but I wonder if we could see something like that in the weeks to come here uh, in the NFL. This well, is hopefully, hopefully not, because hopefully there's a few, few fans in the stands. Yeah. Energy Stadium. We saw we saw teams across the the league have fans. So hopefully, at some point this year, the Texans can have some of their fans. I, I think that's the goal, and and they'll work toward that and do what they can to get some fans in the building. But I, you know, obviously not for this week. You know, I lobbied Jamie Roots. I'm like, please. He's like, it's not that easy. We can't. It's not like you just open the door <laughs> like, come on in, people. You know, it's, it's very complicated. A lot of levels of politics to get through. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the Baltimore Ravens, what the Texans need to do to turn things around and get a win on Sunday. And then we'll go around the NFL, some big news in the AFC South. That's all coming up next on Texans All Access. Don't miss a single thing on your favorite team. Follow us on Twitter at Houston Texans. This is Texans Radio. Today tastes like... Game day at home. Like assigned couch seating. <laughs> Tastes like coffee table dining. And an ice cold Coke to cool down the heat. It tastes like the game you've waited for all week with friends you've known your whole life. <laughs> Today, tastes like watching football is supposed to. And it never tasted this good. Coca Cola. Together, tastes better. We're here in Energy Stadium with our favorite people in Houston, our one and only Texans fans. So what are you guys cheering about? We're celebrating Dyke and opening the country's third largest manufacturing plant right here in Houston. Yeah, baby! That's over 5,000 employees already and still growing. Wow, those are some winning Dyke stats for Houston. Sounds like they're one of our biggest fans. On three, two, one, Dyke Woo! Air intelligence! 25 years. Huh, that's a quarter century, or 300 months, or 9,125 days, or 175 years to your dog. Now, for something to be around that long, that's impressive. And that's what Chevron with Tecron is. Impressive. Because it delivers unbeatable cleaning power and unbeatable gas mileage. Plus, as always, Tecron is in every grade, every gallon. Chevron with Tecron, celebrating 25 years of clean. Care for your car. 
Saltgrass Steakhouse is the place for a great steak. Why? Because they only serve the best certified Angus beef. A saltgrass steak is unmatched, unrivaled, and unbeatable when it comes to flavor. Each tender steak is seasoned with a perfect blend of seven spices, grilled over an open flame, and topped with seasoned steak butter. Taste the certified Angus beef difference today at Saltgrass Steakhouse. The tradition of postseason college football continues deep in the heart of Houston with a 2020 Texas Bowl at NRG Stadium as the Big 12 takes on the SEC. Be a part of the electric atmosphere and unique bowl week events celebrating everything Houston has to offer. Sign up for the wait list today at thetexasbowl.com to get exclusive pre-sale access, the latest event updates, ticket deals, and more. That's thetexasbowl.com. More Texans Radio is on the way. Find a massive selection of new and certified pre-owned Hyundais at Ron Carter Hyundai, a better way to buy. Test drive any vehicle at Ron Carter Hyundai and get $250 in gift cards. Buy any vehicle and get $500 in gift cards. Sell them your car. There'll be any offer by $500 or get $500. Plus get Hyundai Assurance, America's best warranty, 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Gulf Freeway, just two miles south of the Beltway. RonCarterHyundai.com. See dealer website for gift card and trade-in details. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Titosvodka.com. Crafted to be savored responsibly. At Brookside Equipment Sales, equipment's our middle name. You owe it to yourself to visit Brookside Equipment. Brookside is your top dealer for everything John Deere. And we're blowing out the competition with hundreds off gators and thousands off tractors, all with great finance offers. Brookside, 45 years with the best deals and treating customers right. Nine locations and now in Conroe. BrooksideUSA.com. At Brookside Equipment Sales, we're tough enough to cut it. Okay, so maybe we're new to home improvement. But we're determined. So when it came to finding the perfect floor at the perfect price, our contractor gave us an insider tip. And whoa! At Floor & Decor, we shop the same incredible selection as real-life designers and contractors. And I appreciated the budget-friendly prices. Now, thanks to Floor & Decor, we're unstoppable. Oh yeah, we found where the pros go. Explore Floor & Decor in person or online at floorandecor.com. The Ravens blew up the Browns. One hand catch for the touchdown. 38 to 6. And the scariest part? They've added more weapons. What a great day for Ravens rookies. On both sides of the ball. Patrick Queen on defense. Dobbins on offense. Their first two draft picks accounted for eight tackles, a forced fumble, and a sack. Along with two TDs. Touchdown, J.K. Dobbins. The Ravens are coming in hot. And we'll tell you what you need to know all week long. Insider Access. Exclusive content. Sports Radio 610. The Texans play here.